This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. Today our guest speaker is Mike Niels and he's going to bring you all up to date about X Club, why you should be in it and if you're not, where you should be. I think he's got some memories from his trip down south, Barry, that no one heard of it. It's a bit sad, Michael. Well, it wasn't worth mentioning, really. (laughs) Oh! Well, except we had a marvellous time. Great. Yes. I think K's to A's average took a huge jump. Oh, what was that? Did you do a calculation, did you? Only roughly, yep. Well, roughly, then, what is it? Well, I think we did about 12,000 K's. Mm-hmm. Six A's. <laughs> Ooh, so that's uh, it's two thousand K's per A, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, you might be in line for the for the award this year for the most K's per A. <laughs> well, I hope to improve the A's a bit. <laughs> Actually, that's a point, Mike. We caught up with Russell Wilson, and mm. for the listeners that don't know, Russell Wilson was the instigator of this thing that we have called. A's to K's or K's to A's, so how many K's you travel to how many A points you get, and we broached them with this concept. Yeah, we thought we might call it the Russell Wilson Trophy. (laughs) (laughs) And we had some fabulous ideas, and I came up with, I think the trophy should be a rustic old speedo that's mounted on a piece of wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another suggestion was that it might be you know, a session of bridge with Russell Wilson played at your home club. Oh, yes. <laughs> or Stuart Island. <laughs> <laughs> One of those. So he's keen to go on board. So we have asked Bailiff, Patrick Carter, and Russell Wilson to come up with some sort of competition guidelines or the criteria, and that'll be coming to you soon, people. And anybody that's been to any tournament that Patrick's organised, they'll know that it won't be simple. (laughs) Yeah, but it'd be an interesting concept and one that's available to all the listeners out there. I wonder if we can get this any idea about the gold points transferable to A points if our friends from overseas actually get on board. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. They've got a few more Ks to travel over there to get yes, some of these. They make money go by ear. Anyway, Michael, look, getting on to X Club. So in your travails around the South Island, you mentioned to a few people, I mean, in the Waikato, I think probably most clubs are, are an X Club. I understand maybe not so well known down there. Yeah, it came as news to most of the people I talked to. And I did a couple of presentations. We've got, well, at least four clubs started up and maybe another two thinking about it. Wow. I guess the first thing they all asked you is how much you charge, Michael. Well, it's a pretty tough one. It's all free. <laughs> it's all free, so why wouldn't they? It'd be great to have even more people playing every session of bridge all week, playing the X-Club hands. Yeah, well, we have at the moment 47 clubs involved. I suppose we're getting up to like 45% of New Zealand players actually playing the same deals at the same time. Cool. I think you mentioned that 6,000 bridge players played at least one hand. Is, was that right? Well, actually, I've had to revise that. You don't actually get on that list until you've played 15 sessions. 6,000 bridge players over the last 50 weeks have played at least 15 X-Club sessions. 
So in reality, there'll be more than 6,000 players. Yeah. yeah, okay. So that's out of our 14,000 members, that's a fair chunk. Yeah, that's right. So if you can get some of those South Island clubs on board. Well, there's room for plenty more. Do you know, sorry, I haven't asked you this, how many, I don't know how many clubs there are in New Zealand, about 114 or something like that? And how many of those did you say? 40, how many clubs are actually participating? Seven clubs, but like three of them are unaffiliated. Okay. Okay. One of them, House of Clouds, quite a big club in Christchurch, uh, doesn't even have scoring units. You know, it's all Man. entered manually. So they still play the ex-club hands, despite the fact that they enter their scores manually. Yeah. There's no reason, of course, they can't. Good enough to get yeah. them scored up before we do the cross ad, which is typically about quarter past five every daytime and quarter to eleven for the nighttime ones, and uh, they can get these scored up manually before that and submitted for mm. zero. Zero dollars. Yeah. It's really a good value package. A, none of your members actually know that they're playing a different system. It's just ice cream on your cake, the whole thing. Some years ago, we were granted free use of Pianola for X-Club boards. So you can get these fabulous Pianola reports coming to you if you'd like to register an email address. That's a big thing about it. The X-Club site has got the link to replay and analyse each hand. There's plenty in it if uh, clubs want to look at it. And even if the whole club doesn't want to look at it, even if there's two or three members that want to look at it, it's, it's no overhead for the club at all. So it gives you a breakdown, obviously, of how well you did as declarer, how well you did as defender, and right. all Most this sort of stuff. Most interesting board. There is a lot of stuff in there. There was an added bonus for me last week. <laughs> yeah, does everybody know that Barry Jones got 41.46% last week? <laughs> it's a highlight of his week. So I got a friendly email from Pianola to tell me that I'd scored 41% at East Coast Base. And I thought, well, that around was... this time of year, we've got heaps of learners joining in the system and they have to be added to the Pianola database. Right. So there happens to be a Barry Jones belongs to the East Coast Blaze Club, and somehow or other he slipped through as our Barry Jones. So uh, it all got reprocessed. So Barry really didn't get forty-one point four six percent. Well, it wasn't the lowest score for Grandmasters that week, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. As it happens, that would happen to Matter Matter, but we won't go there. Not all. They had a superb recovery. Indeed. So as far as the X Club goes. I know that how much work Bob Fern does on this. I don't actually play many pairs session in a year, but I only noticed it because looking on X Club, I'm flat having the 15 sessions because in Hamilton we have quite a lot of teams, Swiss pairs, that mm. sort of stuff. What can you do about that sort of scoring, Michael? Any thoughts on that? Swiss pairs are included. Oh, the Swiss pairs are included, okay. They can't do multiple teams or, or generally IMP events. Bob's got this prototype national grading system, NGS, and has had it for about 18 months now. And the board's still considering whether to do it or what to do about it. In that, he does process all the IMP results. If that gets off the ground, everything should be included. So when you say they include Swiss peers, Michael, does any session of Swiss peers that you play get converted to percentage does it or how does that work yeah the thing is you play a board you get a result that can be slotted in with other results just taken from that standpoint 
I know the tactics are slightly different, but I don't think that impinges on a lot of people playing club bridge. And X Clubs is about club, 40C point club bridge. Okay. Don't do tournaments or uh, anything like that. Yeah, a lot of players prefer to play teams or some sort of imps. Mm. And, of course... I think at one point I might have dropped off the system because I hadn't played 15 sessions in a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so uh, must be some Swiss pairs included in there that makes me just crawl over 15 sessions. Looks like I hardly play, Michael. That's not the case. Well, you're right up the top of the ladders, Barry. We'll keep that right. Yeah. You play a lot of Wednesday nights, though, don't you? I do, but a lot of those, as I say, are teams, and, teams. and we have a few teams events on Wednesday nights, which yep. won't count. And I didn't realise the Swiss pairs counted, so there's quite a few Swiss pairs as well. Mm. So there's not many actual duplicate pairs sessions on a open night in Hamilton. And they have things like restricted teams, and they have other teams' events. I think we have at least four or five teams' events during the year, don't we, Mariana? Yeah. All right, well, that's all we've got time for this week. We should catch up again next week, Mike, and finish the rest of the conversation. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you, Michael. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond. Phenomena. What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Kermit. Hi there. Tip number 32. Who'd have believed it? What have you got? (laughs) Well, is it a tip about bridge or is it a tip about poker? My tip for today is TELS, which is T-E-L-L-S. TELS is a poker term, but there are TELS in bridge as well. I'm not really a poker player, but I find this interesting. A tell in poker is some physical thing that a player does that gives away what's in their hand. So when Barry Jones picks up a full house, his left eye starts twitching, something like that. Or somebody's foot might start tapping. There's lots of different ones, and even less obvious ones, that give away what's in the hand of the person concerned. So bridge tells, hmm, there are some. And what I was thinking about was when you ask about an unalerted bid in the auction, now this may seem like it's Judge Julie's department, but here's an example. Your left-hand opponent opens one spade and your partner bids one no trump and that's unalerted and it goes pass, pass. And then your left-hand opponent starts asking about the one no trump bid. What's the one no trump bit? Is there anything special about it? Da 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 da. Well, it's just a one no trump bit, 15 to 18. And to me, that is a tell. I would put all my chips in, to use another poker term, I would put all my chips in that if the person then bids, they're not very happy about the bid that they're next going to make. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something to do with pupils dilating or something like that. I've observed this over the many moons I've been playing. When people have started asking about unalerted bids, it's almost like buying some time while they decide or the use of an um in the spoken word when you're public speaking. It's almost a placeholder while you buy yourself a little bit more time to make a decision. And therefore, it's a marginal decision. That's one little tell that I've noticed. I find the subject quite fascinating, and I'm sure those who you played against me a bit might be able to tell me something I do. I'm not sure. <laughs> so the theory is they're just biding time while they're plucking up courage to bid, basically. This is one I've had at the table, and I see reasonably regularly where I've got a marginal 
third of two spades now. I'm not sure whether I'll make it. I'll ask about the option while I decide. And when that two spades comes out, me sitting opposite the one no trump, I'm pretty sure that's not a great hand. <laughs> okay, but if they've got a really staunch hand and they're six five shape or something with two great suits, they bid a lot quicker. Have it come. Yeah. Have it come. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, this isn't a tip, folks. We're not suggesting you do this. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Well, it's interestingly, because it's totally unconscious by the person that's doing it, of I'm, course. I'm not suggesting mm. for mm. one mm. minute, even remotely, that they sort of know that they're doing it. If I can pick it up, I sort of think their partner can probably pick it up as well. Got to tell you something that is, it's not bridge, but it's so related to this that it's not funny. I was reading about Andre Agassi and Boris Becker used to play tennis back in the day, and Andre Agassi yeah. found Boris Becker's serves just about unplayable until he discovered the tell. Ah, right. What do you think the tell was, Pam? You won't believe it. Apparently, when Boris Becker was serving and he was going to serve to the left, he stuck his tongue out of his mouth to the left. When he was going to the right, it was to the right. And when it was down the middle, it was straight. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> amazing. Once Agassiz discovered this, it was a piece it. of cake. And apparently well, Boris Becker I... used to go home and tell his wife, he's like he can read my mind, he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, because I know, Barry, you probably think I'm perfect, but I was thinking about... Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Of... <laughs> 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 I was thinking about one that I did. It was in a tournament, I won't say where, but it was the first round of, a, I think it was a 15A. And, you know, sometimes you're not quite in the game. And the opponents were bidding, and I thought, oh, if it comes round to me, I'm going to back in, right, is what I was thinking when the opponents were bidding. And I picked up the system card to have a look what the one diamond opener was. Afterwards, I saw the very good player I was playing against, I think I noticed that they noticed that I did this. And... I think they bid slightly differently when they saw me do this. And I thought, well, I've asked for that. That was a tell. I was going to back in. <laughs> We've probably all got them. Yeah. We just don't know about yep. them. Even Boris Becker, yeah, if he was at the bridge table, he'd be, he'd be an open book. Yeah, <laughs> I find this fascinating. If you can completely control your tells, which I think everyone should try and do, I think that's a great skill to develop. If you can completely control your tells, that's a very good skill to have. Bonus question, Kermit. Mariana's, oh, yeah. be Mariana's beginners started last week, went into the big room, the scary big room. Now, oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank great. you. Now, you know, some people say to them, don't be scared when you go in there. And, of course, immediately that probably makes them scared. What do you think about yeah. that? It's all psychological, a bit like tells. Well, it is all psychological, and I would definitely not indicate to them that it was scary because then that creates an expectation and I have certainly been put off telling somebody something might be scary by an experience I had many years ago would you like to hear about it I would love sure. to hear it's not to do with bridge it was a long time ago it was when the movie E.T. came out so that really was a long time ago right <laughs> so I had seen the movie and enjoyed it and I took my little nieces along and I had my four-year-old niece sitting on my lap. I was chatting to her and I was saying, now, E.T. is a sort of friendly monster and he's going to come out of the bushes soon. But don't be scared. Don't be scared 
because he looks scary, but he's not scary. So don't be scared <laughs> when he comes <laughs> when he comes out of the bushes. I don't know how many times I use that word scared, right? Just have all the wrong things, yeah. Auntie Pam. Auntie yeah. Pam says Yeah, something scary's gonna happen. So I don't know if you remember the the movie, but the little boy pulls back the bushes and then E. T. pulls back the bushes and you see E. T. for the first time. And my niece threw up all over me. (laughs) (laughs) I never tell anybody not to be scared for a (laughs) That was a very good lesson for somebody, but I don't think it was your niece. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, but seriously, don't set up that expectation of it being scary. It is just a game. We all are just playing a game of cards. What I did, Pam, was I decided in my infinite wisdom that I would take my people two weeks before we drew to go in and I asked the room if they could come in and sit down and watch the first two boards. So they're just kibitzing right. for the first two boards. Yeah. And then they got yeah. to talk to people and then they got the bidding pads and then I did it the next week. And I said, go and sit somewhere different and meet some other people. And so by the time they actually got in the room, they had met like eight different people and then they just started playing. Oh, that's a lovely idea. That's like when you take your preschooler in a few times to, <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. new entrance class. Oh, no, I think that's a lovely idea. Yeah, so they went in there and it's been good. Yeah, because we need to welcome these people. We've got to keep this game going and introduce everyone to the pleasures of this wonderful game that we're all addicted to. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks for a great story, even if it did have a bit of a messy ending. Yeah. It did have a message, So maybe a tip to our listeners is when you see Pam, whatever you do, <laughs> or you do want to throw up, go and sit on Pam's knee because she's got experience. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pam. Catch Kermit next week for another tip. See you. So we headed on off to the Matamata Open. It was a great day. Very surprising result, but beautiful catering. What about those platters? They were great, weren't they? <laughs> Do they have enough on there for you? Yeah, well, I ended up having three bits of chicken. And <laughs> <laughs> we did one. You could have come to our table and had another two <laughs> because they didn't eat theirs, but we did it. <laughs> anyway, no, I told you Matter Matter would put on great food and they did not let me down. Yeah, brilliant club. Thank you very much for all that. So a bit of a photo finish in the end, wasn't it? Hmm. Patrick Carter and Russell Wilson had a 65 in the morning. However, they got run over in the afternoon by Grant Jarvis and Ken Yule, who just got past in the shadows of the post, so to say. I was speaking to Grant Jarvis, and he said that it's around about the 40th, 40th? Maybe 30th. I don't know, but Grant, please correct me. Yeah, that he's played that competition. Wow, that is impressive, <laughs> isn't it? He almost never misses the Matter Matter Open. Oh, it's lovely. And as the president said, they just love him down there. They He always supports them, and you know, they really appreciate Pretty that. Good. He's yeah. won it quite a few times out of those 42 I'm picking. Be interesting yeah. to know how many times. Oh, he'll drop us a line. We've got <laughs> uh, an email to share with you later on in the show about Grant and playing with the up-and-comings back in the day. Yeah, that's right, and even today. True, yeah, absolutely. For sure. so, I've also got another interesting result for you, Mariana. 
Okay, have you been stalking? Uh, it'll be one that you wouldn't have spotted, but I know is going to be of great interest to you. Oh, cool. Like I had a look at the Howrah Intermediate Junior Peers. Yeah. As, as you know, I went to school in Howrah, so, you know. I a lot of, of bright it. people down that way, is there, or not so? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, believe it or not, the Howrah Intermediate Junior Peers had 38 peers playing in it. Shut the front door. So that's a lot, isn't it? Matamata only had 15 tables. Wow. And here they had 19 tables, 38 peers. And the winners were, drum roll please. Yep, it was Gary Hodge and Debbie Marcroft, your old Shut mates. Up, really? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> hey, well done, guys. So they won, and second were Pauline and Morris Fensom. So just thought I'd give them a, oh, a mention. Sing, thrilled a such a big field, and yeah, yeah, good effort. Lovely. Oh, cool. Wow. I know they have a lot. North one was won by Jack James, <laughs> which did not impress Blair Fisher, of course, because they're in this tied in this you know mammoth struggle for Three eight points. Three little aces, yeah. And uh, sure enough, so Jack was playing. What was that? A restricted? Oh no, no, it was a five A. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was five A's. That's why he wasn't happy. Peter Ramsey. So Jack was playing with Peter Ramsey, and second were Brian and Mari Fitzsimmons. Blair was not happy. That was another five A's for Jack, and he got further behind. So Jack's a little spring rabbit. He's like, bounce, bounce, bounce. <laughs> Come on, Blair. I told Blair, just having a chin wag, and I was like, come on, Blair. I like the palmy boy, but i got a back home ground. i got my money on you. And he's like, right, and he's really <laughs> off the tournaments. He's got his book for solid for every weekend heading up to Congress. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to hear about bridge fanatics, apparently Jack hopped in his car, K's to A's, travelled from Havelock North back down to Palmy. Yeah. Sunday morning, up early. Yeah. In the car, <laughs> down to Wellington for the five A down there on Sunday, and he came in third in that behind Kate Davies and Johnny Patterson, Patrick Darcy and Graham Norman, and Jack was playing with Johnny D, Johnny Davidson. <laughs> so he picked up another five A's down there, and I can tell you that I was getting Blair was not a happy chappy <laughs> so he reckons that uh, maybe Jack James is going to threaten Michael Weir for the most A points during the year Oof. I don't Ooh, think so he's quite a way behind I don't really think it's on the cards but the rate he's going you never know well his pockets must be pretty deep though because <laughs> you can guarantee there's a couple of bottles of plonk being <laughs> partaken yeah, there, were the, there were those two Airfares to Blenheim a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks ago. That, yep. that never got him. going, Alistair? <laughs> never got him off the ground. <laughs> Probably, hey, Dad, <laughs> you want to help me win these Easter keys? Front up with some more money. I think Dad might have driven him to Wellington, or he was in the car anyway. Oh, Alistair <laughs> likes playing too, so yeah. he's probably playing with somebody. No, good effort. So ten, did he? Yep. So we're looking at the old eight-point race with. Jeremy and Jack and Blair and of course Jeremy had a win over the weekend oh. unfortunately for him all it was was an 8B so he got none <laughs> so Jack's way ahead in the A point race at the moment Can I have to come up with a plan boys maybe we could get Blair to give us a call next week and come up with what his plan is but I know where he's going I reckon the only thing you can do is hope that Palmerston North goes into lockdown for the next three months <laughs> that would do it <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, Pami folks. I'm only kidding. I don't really want that to happen to well, Pami. You don't want because Jenny and Judge oh, Julia yeah, going right. down. They might be able to come home and cook your dinner. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got the Palmerston North. We've got the North Island Pairs going on in Palmerston North mm. next weekend. So that'll be, that'll be a biggie. Waikato Area Pairs at Hamilton this Sunday. <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh, actually, a couple of A points up for grabs. Not yeah. enough to help you out, though, Blair, but... Blair's, of course, heading down to the 20A, so it's all yeah, on at Palmerston North. We'll be all watching, and we'll give you a heads up next week. Barry, we were talking earlier about Grant Jarvis sending in an email. Can you tell our listeners more about that? Quite an interesting one, actually. He, he's obviously noticed that there's an interesting entry that New Zealand bridge players should be delighted to see in this year's New Zealand teams, namely Deb Smith, Scott Smith, David Eckley and Bob Hurley. Over the past decade, Scott, Deb and David have been devoted parents sacrificing tournaments and trials. However, they're all highly talented former internationals with success from an early age. Right. Scott and Deb's actually won the New Zealand pairs together, mm-hmm. and all three have top Australian successes. We should be thrilled to see them returning to a top bridge, Grant says, which I'm sure we are. And also, they're very pleasant at the table, Mariana, if you have the pleasure of sitting across the table from them. They're a lot of fun to play against, but they also play the game in, in the right spirit, I think. Oh, cool. And what age would they all be now? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I reckon Scott's a bit younger. He's probably 50. Yep. He'll kill me if he's not. He's probably in his 50s. And David's probably about the same age. Oh, really? Yep. Deb's is probably a bit younger. Oh, I'm going to say that even if she's not. Yeah. I'm sure she is. Oh, I'm loving this because you're going to be in a pile You're really dropping me in it. And I'm not going to even go near Bob Hurley's age. You can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Grant also made the comment he's been lucky to have had successful tournaments in their first outings with then youngsters Ishmael Del Monte, Ashley Bark, Deb Smith, she was Deb's Moyer then, uh, Matt Brown, and this year Leon Muir. That's right. Yeah, our 3am boy. Yeah, so he said Ish and Ash were still at school, and the others were just out of school, and even then their talent was obvious. In his second tournament, Ishmael heard, heard him bid Tuno Trump showing 5-5 in the minors, and he bid five clubs making six and commented, Sorry, I did not know if you were playing RSA. What? That's what Grant thought, I think. No problem, Ishmael, I said with a straight face. This is Grant. As soon as he got home, he looked up RSA to see what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it stands, if anybody's interested, it stands for residual shape ask, where you can relay your remaining two or three cards when you're 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> he said, I've never had a partner mention RSA in the 30 years since. <laughs> so here he is, some school kid, talking about RSA. The other thing that I thought Grant said that was funny was, playing bridge with Ishmael on a Thursday night at Auckland Bridge Club. He was in his school uniform and his mum was knitting in the wheelchair next to him. Oh, he asked, I asked him when his first bursary exam was. Tomorrow morning, he said. <laughs> Not an answer that a school teacher wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, that's so classic, isn't it? It, it was. It was indeed. <laughs> so, so there you go, Grant's had the pleasure of playing with a few younger players and done pretty well with them too, I'd have to say. If you've got a story you'd like to share with the Bridge Zone and their listeners about either the youngest player that you've ever played a session of Bridge with or even the oldest player and how you got on, that would be fantastic. Flick us an email, bridgezoneshuffle at gmail.com. That's all for us. We shall catch you next week. We might have Hugh McGann on the show asking him what he's doing in the middle of the night, Mariana. Take care, everybody. Bye for now.
This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.